It's another day, I'm another John, and this is Another Note. Today we're on page 77 of our devotional, titled, A Divine Promise. Henry Ward Beecher said, God pardons like a mother who kisses the offense into everlasting forgiveness. You and I cannot wholly fathom the impact of exile. It's what happened to the people of God. It's a reality that shapes much of what we read in scripture and therefore is an essential aspect of our shared faith. We were in exile God delivered us. Still, even the faintest understanding of the exile experience cannot compare to the sense of hopelessness and shame of an entire people. That doesn't mean we can't comprehend disappointment. And I don't mean your team didn't win disappointment. Many of us have experienced life-altering defeats or setbacks. If only our lives were TV sitcoms, then a single word from a friend would be enough. An inspiring memory could give us the strength to muster enough courage to overcome. And we could do it all before the final commercial break. But our lives are not sitcoms. I do not think that faith in God removes disappointment in our lives, or even exile. I'm hopeful that sounds obvious to many of you. I know it still comes as a real shock to many Christians today. There may be a different word you would use instead of disappointment. Whatever the word, please allow your faith to be big enough to include the real possibility you will face it, because you will. The author and perfecter of our faith, Jesus the Christ, knew that possibility. His word for it might have been betrayal or abandonment. Let's look at Israel again. The people of God faced their exile. Yes, it was a result of their unfaithfulness. It did not come as a surprise, at least in the sense that they were not warned. Exile was their story. Thankfully, it wasn't their whole story. Hallelujah. God had something to say about that. There was a time coming when exile would be a past episode of Israel's story. That, too, was not to be a surprise. It was hard to believe at times, but God had promised them as much. Isaiah 54 is a powerful illustration of this promise. God would act as Israel's husband and redeem his bride. The people felt God's abandonment in exile. God's compassion would soon cover them. Pay attention to something compelling that Isaiah says. Isaiah 54, 1 reads, Sing, O barren one who did not bear. The call to sing comes to the one who is barren now. Sure, sing after redemption. We learned that lesson when we crossed the sea. But right now, sing your song of hope first. That's not always an easy task. Your song needs to be about the hope and trust you have for the future and not only about the anxiousness you feel about your current situation. There were codes written within many of the African-American spirituals. Those codes announced necessary information about finding freedom, 
places to meet, and those willing to help in that journey comprised many songs. But more often, it seems, the spirituals were a way to convey the hope of an entire people in bondage. God would deliver them. God would make them free. So, as enslaved people, they sang of the promises of God. Paul and Silas sang hymns as prisoners. In Acts 16, the two were in prison because they freed a young woman from a spirit. She had been used by others to make money off the fortune-telling skills the spirit gave her. An entire crowd accused them, and as a result, Paul and Silas were beaten and left in prison. Working for freedom has its dangers. The apex of that story is their deliverance from jail. It came with a violent earthquake, which shook the foundations of the prison. What a powerful experience. Luke, the author of Acts, tells us the two prayed and sang hymns. Now the prisoners heard them. I don't know what they were singing, but I bet there was hope being shared that night. And you may not be in a four-cornered prison, but what song or hymn would you be ready to sing through your most disappointing times? Keep singing. Someone else may need to hear your faith as well. One more thing about Isaiah. Isaiah 54, 1 finishes with the first sign of hope for the people. Their barrenness will be no more. Verse 2 follows with a prophetic command. Enlarge the sight of your tent and let the curtains of your habitations be stretched out. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. God told them there was work to do right now, even in disappointment or exile. Can you trust God enough to move through your disappointments? I don't only mean trust that God will move. Will you move as you trust? We know this was difficult for the people because Isaiah's next command is, Do not fear, for you will not be ashamed. In a sense, God says to prepare for the promise to be true, even if it doesn't seem like it is. Act against the way you feel right now. We're operating on divine promises. You may have to endure the consequences of exile, but they will not last forever. People tell me about the shame they've carried for many years, what feels like a lifetime. When they do, I remind them that kind of guilt is not from God. God doesn't promise everlasting shame. Everlasting compassion comes from God. You may experience shame and exile, but it's God's compassion that moves you out. If you're in exile, remember that it does not last forever. Stay blessed. This has been a special reading from my devotional book titled, Trying to Follow Jesus More Than I Failed Jesus. You can find a copy online at Amazon or check out my website, anotherjohn.com. God be with you.